Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Passes away in flight, uh-uh, H149. That's flight, uh-uh, H149. Please approach the gate. Your flight is not ready for boarding. Cute. Your life's a new night at Out of Home Podcast. You're listening to the Out of Home Podcast. Are you locked into the Out of Home Podcast? You're listening to the Out of Home Podcast. Featuring Kieran, Kwame, Yah, and Stephen. You London boys are crazy. Stephen, welcome. Hello, mate. Yeah. Hello, gays. Are we in? Yeah, all like that. So, um, how many mics did we have in the last episode? Yeah, three. We had three. We've, we've now <laughs> gone back to two. Um, we've just been setting up for... How long have we been setting up for now? Like, oh, last... Two to three minutes, minutes times ten. Um, hours. Where are we, Kwame? We are in Amsterdam. It's me on the, it's me on a instrument next to <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Steve you're, you're the and Yaf, and you're listening to the Out of Home podcast. So that's what's happening. So yeah, what are we listening to, Kwame? Well, Yaf, you you listen to the Out of Home podcast, an award-winning podcast set up by four Londoners who met in Amsterdam, sharing dope stories of their own and of others. The main man. The audio extraordinaire, Beats by Key, isn't here on this episode, but we love him. He's taking a... Yeah, he's just taking... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah he's, he's alive. He's alive. Having have, 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 have a lion, he won't like that, but it's there. And um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do an Amsterdam edition of the pod. We usually we're in two locations, but today Yaf has uh, made his, uh, his um, fortnightly jaunt back to the, back to the city. So it's the, it's the three of us. And Stephen. Wait, wait, before we get into this, um, who is Beats by K? Because uh, we are out of home, love to listen to feedback, and, you know, there are no inside jokes here. Kieran is one member of Out of Home, and he is a sound technician. So yes. we may make some jokes referencing his knowledge of sound. And to my left of me, to my right of me, sorry, we've got Kwame Wilson. <laughs> government. Oh, sorry, government names. Uh, no, yeah, you're good, famous, you're famous, it's fine. I'll bleep um, we may make several jokes about a Rangers top that he's wearing today. This is an ongoing joke. Not inside joke, an ongoing joke. And then we also have Yaf. Yaf is the third member of Out of Home. And um, Yaf and I have spent a lot of time working together. And Yaf brings the jokes, brings the vibes, and he's a very well-connected man, very high and powerful in political circles. <laughs> and I am Stephen. A humble podcast. I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> GTFO, bruv. H. A humble podcast, sir. Uh, fresh from a journey, uh, which we'll get into. Goodness and the four me. of us are the Outcome Podcast. We are a group of friends. We've come together to relay stories about our daily lives, our thoughts, opinions, and sometimes your thoughts and opinions. And we put this in a lyrical blender and produce this. On a podcast, Stephen, you really pleasure. come alive, you know. You really come alive, bro. You just know how to. You just know how to flip the switch. It's genius. 
He's an actual showman, bro. He's a real Nigerian. <laughs> oh, my days. Um, before we get into things... Let's go into it. And we get into proceedings. Mm. Shouts out to Apple. Mm, Apple yes. have given us a spotlight feature. They gave us a spotlight. Um, mm-hmm. Which kicked off... How long have we had it for now? A few weeks, right? Yeah, a few Maybe weeks. a month. A few weeks, so yeah. A couple of years, the spotlight's been us on us for them. So, what do you say? So we are on the front page of, um, I believe, I want to say Apple UK, maybe Apple, no, Apple UK um, podcast page. We're one of the first podcasts. You'll see all four of us, our lovely faces, beards and all. Front and back. Oh, okay. Okay, Stephen. And um, yeah, so yeah, we are, we, are, we, are, we are enjoying this. And if you are listening to us because of Apple Spotlight, thank you for joining the ride. And we hope that you never get off the out of home train. Cheers. Smooth. Um, so there's three of us today. Shout out to Anna every single time. Hello, Anna. Anna's, here. Anna's in, in the room. background. Anna, what is the context of Anna, Stephen, seeing as you want to uh, be the contest king today? Anna is the reason I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Anna, would you agree with that? Anna's, my, Anna's the optimum half. She keeps me level and, yeah. So, shout out to you, Anna. Thank you for accepting um, three men into this apartment. So, it's a lovely apartment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, yeah too. Goodness. <laughs> um, okay, shall we deep dive into our weekly segment? What made you smile this week? And again, for any lovely new listeners who have joined us for the first time, What Made You Smile is a segment that we have that allows us to take stock in the things that have brought joy to us in the last seven days. Um, I'm going to start with Kwame, the Wild Tongue Ranger Wilson. (laughs) This Wild Tongue reference is due to a time where we were in, um, during, there's a high of COVID, we were in about to get our COVID test as we embarked on an all expenses paid trip to Barcelona (laughs) because we are those guys in it. And, um, I actually can't remember what the Wild Tongue incident oh, was, no, but... but wait, Do you remember? Okay, so remember when we used to get the um, yeah, COVID the test? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What was it? Because you had the... the yeah, the one in the nose. Yeah, but what was that one called? It was the fast test and, like, the more comprehensive test. What was the comprehensive test called remember. again? I can't remember. PCR. 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 Yeah. So you had to do your no- your nostrils and your tonsils. Yeah. And um, <laughs> Kwame opened his mouth. And when the lady was going to, like... Tickle the tonsils. Yeah. His tongue was just doing up <laughs> thank freestyle. You, thank you, thank you very much. Was just twirling, thank you. I'm a family man, please, please. Can we keep it moving? Damn, 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 damn. Can we dance it? Keep moving and grooving. Um, what made me smile this week, bro? You know what? You know what? You know what made me smile this week? It's weird to say. Um, uh, uh, my wife, I love saying that. My wife had had COVID, so the last week she was um, resting up. And what was making me laugh was that. Uh, so we had to have our distance, obviously. But no, she 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 she's all better. House COVID free, yeah. so we move, we move. What was making me laugh is that I would see certain things, like maybe a a, a sketch. Wow, it's really bright. Wow, it's all happened. I was about to say something, but I would not live it down, so I'll say it off air. Uh, anyway, let me let me continue. And um, I was I was watching these things. And I started like laughing, right? Like just laughing. And I will never forget when like Mia was moving in to the house and she wasn't gonna and she was gonna move we live next door to one of her one of her old one of her old colleagues maybe it isn't the best setup but I just made me laugh and she she was like yeah let's all let you know that um when we move to the house like we might have some parties I, I play a lot of loud music and Kwame laughs a lot 
I was like, that's a really sweet thing to say. Because I just randomly laugh, innit, bro? Like, Kami's got a very specific order. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which you probably hear, yes. Which you probably hear. Excellent. You'll hear it from like, excellent. From the fourth floor. Yeah, you, 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 you probably hear it eight times in this episode. So, like, I was just thinking, wow, this woman's probably in her house, like, in silence, and just like through the. Like through through the walls of a house, can probably hear just some like cackle every, every couple of hours because I'm watching some random clip on YouTube or something or TikTok. So that's what made me laugh. I'm sort of made me smile and just health. Uh, me getting back to good health and then um, yeah, England. No, the World Cup. The World Cup. Even though Ghana flopped, the World Cup has, has made me smile. But we'll, but we'll get back to that, won't we? Eh? Eh? Our man on the ground boy is yo, back in town. Boy yo, but speaking of back in town, yeah, I want to ask you. Mm. We and this is another comment. Yeah, if he's to live in Amsterdam, he then moved back to London. But because he's that guy through work and life and love, he's often back on in the Amsterdam grounds. So that's why I said back in town. If anyone's new, just for a little bit of context. So oh yeah, my brother, what made you smile the last seven days? Well, 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 well. Um, a lot to smile about. I would echo your point on the World Cup. I think the the Morocco game yesterday. Oh, bro. Amazing. So Morocco beat Spain on penalties. And if anyone has listening, lives in Amsterdam or has been to Amsterdam, there's a very, very solid Moroccan population yeah. in Amsterdam. So for some reason, I just felt more connected to that win. Oh, oh, okay. I felt more happy because I'm like, I've got Moroccan friends. Yeah. I know how much this must mean to them. Yeah. And seeing them beat the juggernauts that are Spain yeah. was just such a... It just brought joy to me. And like seeing the little stories throughout the World Cup, and I know we spoke about some of these things last week, um, has just been bringing a smile to my face. Being back in Amsterdam, of course. Mm. I kind of see Amsterdam as like my level set. That's not what you said, but okay, go ahead. London is like the place <laughs> where hustling, bustling, yeah, yeah, yeah. network, you know, you're just linking and building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Amsterdam is the place that just allows me to... Reset. Navigate, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And we had some fun as well. We're linking up in the, linking up in the stew, in the studio, laying down some vocals. Yeah, but less on that later. Ha ha ha. This guy's funny. I wanted to say that. Um, so yeah, that's what's been making so I've been back in town, uh, and the joys of the World Cup, and I would love to hand over to my dear friend, dear friend, distinguished traveler, Thank the you. coin collector himself. <laughs> But less on that later. I just wanted to copy what you said. It sounds great. I mean, like Stephen Must, man, with the bitcoins. Um, what? what, so, what must say, Stephen, where have you just come back from? Um, come back from work, but the previous excursion was uh, came back from Qatar. Nice one. Um, did not have Qatar, but came back from Qatar. You know, you can be a little bit more excited, isn't it? Yeah. I'm just trying to contain it, so I'm able to eloquently go through his face because if I was just to blurt it out people would complain that they couldn't hear but I was in Qatar for the World Cup and uh, such an uncle uh, and live, living my best life and living a dream following my fourth World Cup that's amazing man um, this is the football World Cup the football men's World Cup uh, for those that are there and then I got the opportunity to go out there uh, for the for the games and then I came back um, so this is going to come out on Thursday. I came back on Monday, so like three days, three days in, and it's been like an amazing experience. So, I go? No. yeah, it's been an amazing experience um, going out there, 
I've never been to Qatar for the uh, as well, so it's a new country for me. And then um, just going to connect with like all of the different uh, fans that are out there, seeing the best players in the world, um, and just seeing like this World Cup that was so talked about mm. for right or wrong reasons. Uh, Infantino's infamous oh, comments. That's, yeah, that's fine. Are we friends? Uh, Infantino's infamous comments and then just kind of like um, taking it all in. So like it's been uh, a big pleasure. I've enjoyed every minute of it as those who follow me can tell. And um, here I am to take some questions from our... But before we yes. do that, is there anything like that made you smile? Oh, what made me smile? Okay. What made me smile? Seven days. Okay. You know, I'd say this, being with the Senegal fans. Nice, nice. Uh, big, big, big vibes there. Um, being at the Japan-Spain game in the group phase, that was just mad because... At, so, a World Cup group has four countries. One, two, three, four countries. Only two can go through. They play three games. It comes to the last game. And by this time, maybe the first two plays have already been decided. But not in this group. This group contained, help me out here, Japan, Spain... Germany and Costa Rica. And normally you'd say Spain and Germany nailed on to go through. Yeah. It came to the last game and uh, Japan needed to win. They needed to win against Spain and hope that, and hope that other results went their way. Yeah. At some point during the 90 minutes, every single team in that group had mm. at least a hot Indian summer where they thought they were going to the next round. Only Costa Rica at one point were going through. At one point, Germany were going through, and then the gods shined down on Japan. And uh, after, yeah, they came back a lot, and then um, and then they managed to come back, and then they went through with Spain, which was like amazing. I think it might have been the first time in their history that they've. And Japan games. came first. Yeah, Japan yeah, came. Right. Japan came first, and Spain, who were going into that game thinking like, "Yo, formality, we're gonna turn up, we're all safely through," they were sweating a little bit um, towards the end. Hundred percent. So it was a crazy. That was a crazy day of football because like it's just up and down. And what they did, which they don't normally do, um, so normally they make on the last on the last game they play it at the same time to avoid any, like, match fixing so that people don't know. But inside the stadium, they were showing the live results. So it kind of, like, defeated the whole purpose of these two really? games. Yeah, so, like, I was, I was watching, like, something. We were both shocked, like, why are they... Show but they did. So, like, the crowd was just... Rea it just added to the drama because the crowd mm, were reacting. I can imagine, yeah. All of a sudden, Spain are like, yo, we actually need to score, score goals. Or not, no, it was displayed on the TV. Like, they just needed to look up and, like... So it's kind of like... Wait, do you mean, like... Um uh, notification or like actual footage? No, 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 as in like the group standing. Oh, wow. Group standing. So, like, you, if you. So, if it was you, always there. No, when something had happened, oh, okay, it'd okay, flash sorry, up. Sorry, sorry. And then, so, like, if you were a player or probably if you're on the bench, you'd look up and then you see, oh shit, we're going out. And it's just like, time to go ham. Okay, we're safe. So that just added to the drop. Normally, this doesn't happen because of match fixing. So they normally just have the two games at the same time and little or no communication so the players can't tell what's going on. But for whatever reason, they busted it open in Qatar and like, <laughs> it's, all, it's all going off. Stephen, yeah. I want to rewind a little bit. Yeah, let's rewind. As we sit here, I'm holding what can only be referred to as a stack. A wad. A wad <laughs> of tickets of games that you've been to. Kwame, do you want to fill them? They're very... Uh, very smooth. They're in chronological order, by the way. So. so let's rewind a little bit. Yep. 
before heading out to the World Cup, we all mm. did an episode here about the World Cup being in Qatar. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of conversations. A lot. A lot of conversations from media, people all over the world about their thoughts on the World Cup. You were our man on the ground. Mm. You were 10 toes in Qatar. 20 at times. Like, give us, give, give us your, give us the breakdown of your experience there because I remember when you touched down, it was on a Monday or a Tuesday? I can't remember. I feel like it was a Monday. Um, and you sent us a picture of your hotel, which was right yeah. by the stadium. Yeah, it's mad. So break it down for us. Like, what was the whole energy, like, landing in Qatar, traveling to the hotel? How did you feel? Yeah, land, landing was cool because like, the flight was actually calm on the way there and they had it so that you could... Oh, actually, even before I went there, um, I got into the airport thinking I was going to have to, like, queue. There was a long queue. And then, obviously, this, like, this angel, this footballing angel uh, came over to me. Such a surprise. She materialized. Um, but then she came over to me and was like, are you going to Qatar for the World Cup? And I was like, yes. She was like, here's a special lane for the World Cup. Wow. And the way I cha-cha slid past <laughs> everybody else there going on their regular holidays. And I was like, yeah. I felt like I was being called up for the World Cup at that point. No, that's fine. So, like, cut the queue there, straight through security, and then the flight, the flight was calm. And then they had it so that you could um, watch the World Cup inside the plane as well, which was just mad, mad, as you can imagine. So they had that, and then you finally touched down, and then, like, okay, cool. I'm in this, like, country part of the world I've never been in before. And, like, the airport, everything was just so patterned. Like, they, you can tell, like, they spent a lot of money on making sure everything... You know, the presence of mind to ensure that anybody traveling to the World Cup doesn't have to queue so that they have the best experience. That's the level of detail that they put into all of these experiences and throughout every point. So that's the first thing that hit me. And then um, the car journey uh, to the hotel. So the hotel was at a torch tower, um, which is a very extravagant tower with LED, 360 LED screens. So it projects uh, football results, adverts, messages. Uh, they had like a message for Pele for him to get well soon. They had messages about Messi and everything. So like a really luxurious hotel. And then next to this hotel is the actual Wiz Khalifa Stadium. Um, it's called, is it called the Wiz Khalifa Stadium? It's called the Khalifa Stadium, but it'd be rude not to call it the Wiz Khalifa Stadium. <laughs> All right. It, it's, it's like a 10-minute... No, it's a five-minute walk from the hotel there. And then... Because all of these spaces have just recently been built for a particular purpose. And so from our hotel, there is um, the Doha Mall, which is insane. But if you're staying at this hotel, they've made a special bridge so that you don't even need to go out of the hotel to get directly into the mall. That's and crazy. only your hotel card can access it. So not everybody else can use it. Only those staying at the hotel. So like you can just bypass everything and go straight from the hotel into the, the mall. Now, this mall, it feels disrespectful to call it a mall. I would call it a conglomerate of experiences held under one skyline. A roof seems to limit it. So I'd say underneath one skyline. There is an th amusement park inside this mall. There's a freaking gondola inside this mall. It's a gondola? It's where, you know, like Venice, where it's like, you got like the water and you got, yes. Yes, you got people doing up Venice inside the mall, fam. I thought I was in like, it's a small world after all. And, you know, like... There's water, there's boats, people are casually drifting along. There's an ice rink. Why? <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah. <laughs> Several. <laughs> There's a whole go-kart track. There's a whole 10 lanes of bowling. And then there's shops. And boy, are there shops. There's, there's, there's Everything you can imagine. Every High life. Toys R Us lied to me. It said everything under one roof. <laughs> no, no, no. This was truly everything under one roof. From, from burgers, from Bob's Burgers to... Um, <laughs> To, to, to Louis Vuitton, all under under one room, one roof. Suey, Suey, like anything you could imagine or desire was in that premises, and it was just insane. And also, it was a turn up spot. So after the game, like if your if your team had come one, like you go to the mall, you just turn up. Like it was in the mall. Yeah, you just turn wow. up. There'd just be like raves and, and the things that happening there. It was all going off. But is is that because there's air conditioning in the mall, so it's like a calm place to congregate? Yeah, it's just a, it, the, between the mall, the hotel, and the stadium is like six minutes walk. So it's just... Oh, it's just convenient. Yeah, it's, it's just an area of convenience. Mm. Okay, I've just watched the game, want something to eat. Where can I get something to eat? The mall. Where can I get something to buy? The mall. Where can I go ice skating? The mall. Where can I go on a theme park? The mall. So... Sp speaking of eat, like, number one, what type of delicacies were available? And number two, what were the prices saying? Interestingly enough, in terms of the delicacies, like because it's all, it has a high um, immigrant immigrant population. Mm. So there's, I, I actually found it hard to find any local cuisine. So I'm not even sure I even had like like proper like local food. There was just so much um, other like fast food outlets or like international outlets there that it was actually really hard. I remember like saying to Adil and Jenny, who will come on to later, who were also integral to my stay, that. Um, oh yeah, Adil and Jenny. Adil is a long, <laughs> Adil is a long time friend of the podcast and also a silent partner in this podcast. <laughs> and uh, he has been us from day one, one of our biggest supporters, and um, is the reason why all of us have connected in one way or yeah. another. All roots lead to Adil. Jenny Simmons is a fellow Gemini. Um, worked with quite a few of us. Also moved from. And then the UK, London, into Amsterdam, still in Amsterdam currently, and also a long-time friend and advocate of the podcast. And a guest of the podcast. And a guest. And you hear her voice every single time in the drop, in the intro. Yes, and also um, founder of Man On Magazine. Yes, yeah. and also Lancashire's finest export. There we go. Um, so they were both there, yeah. and we will come on to that. But, um, yeah, it's very hard to find local fruit. On the prices, obviously, I did not do my research. <laughs> and I, I cannot tell you the prices of food, but I can tell you the price of a night out. Those reals really add up, fam. That's all I say. <laughs> that, 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 that's the name of the currency, right? Yeah, that's the name of the currency, Real. fam. After one night, I was in Real Madrid, fam. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Real Madrid, fam. It looked like a doable amount until I did the con conversion and I was like I, I was already on the spending cap very very early wait wait, wait hold on so you're saying you don't know how much food was not really not really like it, it, it seemed like it was like 40 reals here and there which and what's seemed, the conversion like what's one I, I believe that's I, I, okay I'm gonna do, I'm gonna let's do a next, I thought I was spending maybe like 20 pounds so no. let's, let's, let's do this live 40 real. What was I really spending? Let, let's do the euro because we're here. Because I haven't even done the... I think it was around 20 pounds. 
So, so you think 40 reals is worth 2018 euros? 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was spending pounds, spending all kinds of cards because some of my cards weren't working. Uh, if you're in the Netherlands, yeah, the ABN AMRO card. No, no, no. no, no sorry, any, any Dutch, any, any Dutch debit card. It is useless. It's, it's, it is useless. It's tuck shop. It's tuck shop card. Don't is, get me started on that. It is like, Don't it's get like, me started. Sorry, on that, and this may offend a few people, but you know what? Feelings are there to be hurt sometimes, isn't it? It is as useful as speaking Dutch. It's only in one country. This card can only be used in one country. Controversial. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we just wanted to say the views of Stephen and Pamela <laughs> do not reflect the entirety of our home. Moving on to more important things, such as currency conversions. One euro mm. at current trading price equals 3.83 Qatar Rias. So, if you was paying 40 Qatar Rias for something, you was only paying 10 euros 46, bro. Oh. So you was, I mean, that's pretty decent. Okay, okay, but, but Stephen is like a moth who comes alive in the nighttime. So, my guy, when you buying like doubles and triples, uh, how much were they retailing? Or, or like, are you even able to, to remember those moments? I remember something coming in around the... 350 real mark. Which would be how much is it? That's not bad. Oh my god, 91. That's that's, not, that's a normal European night for you, bro. That was one transaction. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, how, how many drinks then? Oh, it's all a bit blurry. <laughs> so and, and this this gets us on to another myth buffing exercise. Yeah, please. Oh, no alcohol, no fun. They said. <laughs> how wrong. They were. There are watering holes, and there's just two things. No, number one, you do you do not need alcohol in a stadium. Yeah, like, so, and also in I believe in France, '98, there was no alcohol in the stadium. Yeah, but no one spoke about so, that. So yeah, right? no one, no one spoke about that. People were having a lot of fun inside the stadium, supporting iconic image, England fan, World Cup, big World Cup in one hand. What would have been a pint was then a bottle of water, and nice, I just felt like nice. that. That is just. Like, friendly atmosphere inside the stadium, everybody just supporting their team, good vibes. So, you do not need alcohol to have fun in a football stadium. Number two, you can find alcohol in Qatar. Quite easily, I can imagine. I struck that like I struck oil. <laughs> I struck it big time. And um, there are places, they serve, the last drinks are served at 2 a.m. Now, this is a bit technical because if you're going to the 10 p.m. game, you won't get back from the game to around midnight or, or half past midnight. I want to ask you so, talking about this. But so yeah, you've only you. got 90 minutes to drink up as much as you can, so which is a very short space of time. By the time you come in, done your green, feel the vibe, been to the you bar. You don't have to consume as much drink as possible, though, innit? <laughs> You go with the mentality because you've been told that there's none there. Oh, you kind of go okay. in the mentality, you've got to make it count because you don't know when. This is going to sound like an alcoholics anonymous statement, but you don't know where your next drink's coming from. So <laughs> no, you, no, you do. So, you do. It's the so, next day. After no, no, the next no, game. No, it's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. Oh, it's not. Because it's hard to get. Everybody else wants to get into these places. So sometimes oh. they're at capacity. Sometimes there's no place that they're in. Oh, I love this insight, bro. So this is dope. It's all fun and, and games. I wanted to, the first oh. couple of days we were dry, despite our best efforts. It wasn't until like picking, picking, we struck gold. <laughs> we struck gold and we struck it big. And shout out to Adil, he found a, a local watering hole. Not pretty, but it did the job. But, and it was closed till three, oh, which geez. was a big game changer. The USP almost. It w w definitely was a let, USP. Let, let me ask you. Sorry, I'll ask you. Um, uh, two questions, and then I'll give the. When when you saw, 
when you saw that little baby perform in mm. Doha, was that in a mall? That was not in the mall. Okay. That was in the W hotel. Oh, living the life. Okay. Yeah. Shout, out to, shout out to that Four Pockets Four. And uh, that's a good reference. I'm proud of that one. And secondly, you you made a reference about um, when you go to when you go to the like um, ten o'clock game, mm. and you only have ninety minutes. Like, how was it in terms of like the country? Like, sorry, trying to get, get how was it? How was it getting around? Uh, getting around? Do you take metro? Do you take Uber? And what's the what's the what's the rough travel time to so, venues and also um, stadium? Or if you go game to game, let me say. So I had a privileged experience where I was in a car that gave me access inside the stadium. So we had a we had a drive. Nice, so, nice. At this point, I, I would like to jump in because there's been many a moment in my life where such privileges have been blessed upon me and Stephen has made it an absolute thing. So you, you actually refer to this person, Carla is their name. Which one? Which one, he says. Carla? Which one? Which, what, did was, what did I say? So you had a driver, you had Carla. Who, what else did you have? No, no, I had a, I had a, we had a driver. We had the privilege of being able to go straight into the stadium. That's why I said that. Did I say Carla? You did say Carla. What? Anyway, I just wanted to highlight the fact that you were living your best life. So the mm. next time I tell a story and I was living my best life, I don't want to hear any shit. No, no, no. I had to wait four years for this moment. Oh. But um, Give it da, 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 daily yaff engagements, fam. Uh, I, remember, I remember just 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 me being able to get you know just me queue jumping to go to the World Cup. I had a feeling of what it feels like to be yaf for for a day. What's that song? If I was yaf for a day. Don't <laughs> you just made up? <laughs> the one that Beyonce sang. Even Beyonce. I was a boy. Yeah, even Beyonce. Oh my gosh. <laughs> even Beyonce. If I was like, a yaf baby. Yeah, yeah, like, if, if I could be yaf for a day. Even Beyonce sang about it, so even Beyonce wanted to be yaf for a day. But um, so I had to wait four years for these for ridiculous. these moments. And You're absolutely ridiculous. I was able, yeah, I was able. So by car, from the method I took, uh, it would maybe take about 30, 40 minutes between. Wait, are you driving into the stadium? I don't understand <laughs> what's happening here. Are you pulling up right by the pitch? Like, what's happening here? We're driving into VIP. Like, so there's a VIP gate, which is just that. So. He he tried to like gloss over the fact about VIP, bro. Would you can, can you explain the VIP car um, stadium watching concept, please? What's going on? So obviously you gotta get to the stadium, innit? And um, you have little lanes. You have you have general entry. You have many different points. You have VVIP. You have like uh, match commissioners and yeah. officials who go straight into the stadium. So one of my uh, allocations was for the VIP, which allowed me to be slightly closer. To the stadium, slightly, slightly closer. This guy, bro. slightly closer. This guy, just slightly. So, yeah. So okay. okay. You're, you're, you're very humble, modest. We appreciate well, you for your time. I, I try. I try. <laughs> so we drive, we drive right in, and then um, if it was a little bit of distance, then there'd be a, a golf cart. Oh, actually, no. Shout out the people. These are people I have some beef with. The security people. Bro, oh my God. Don't we have beef with every security, every stadium, oh my every God. No, no, major but tournament no, 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 to. But they, they were fucking with me because there's a, st there's a list of... St no, there's a list of stuff which is like contraband you're not supposed to take into the stadium, yeah? Well, that didn't sound good. I was taken to the stadium. But bearing in mind, like, this is not my first rodeo. So kind of know in it so like they were just being really nitpicky about like stuff like i had like this very small like gimbal it doesn't even look like a 
gimbal. Oh, because um, yeah. media. That's that's what they said. But yeah, this, yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 it doesn't even look like anything. Like, it's so small. I saw big people with the extendo things. Right? Somehow they managed to get through, but I couldn't get in. I knew they were taking a piss when they, they, they confiscated padlocks. You know the padlock for your suitcases? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said, sorry, you can't take this. And I was like... Why did you have that with you? Fam, it was in my satchel. I always have it in case I'm like covering. You know when you, you know when in you case got... you're gonna run away. Like Fam, I forgot, I forgot it was in. I forgot it was in there. The the, the big point is, it is not banned <laughs> from just a stadium. Carrying padlocks for what? <laughs> for why? When you lock your bag, you're not putting the pouch, so you don't forget the key in that. Yeah, it just happened to be in there. It All right, cool. Okay, okay. Happens to be in there. Okay. So, so they're like, oh, we want we need to compensate. You can't take this into a stadium. I'm like. Are you freaking? What what can happen? Am I going to? Am I going to kind of um, attach my pinky to the net of 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 the goal? Like what can I? What can be done with this padlock? That is contraband. So like, and I see people going in with the most ridiculous thing. Like you know those you know those camera lenses that just come out. Like those like go go gadget extendo lenses. I can't even take a padlock in here. So obviously I was. So you were beefing security. Yes, massively, massively. To the point, I was just like, I was just like, I was like, don't try and stop me. Looking dead in his eye, I was like, don't try and stop me. I took my stuff and I went, he's like, sir, 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 sir. So I said, don't try and stop me. I, I have a question. Yes. Um, when I was there three or four years ago, yeah. there was a lot of um, people from like Filipino and Indian backgrounds specifically that bear do a lot of service-based jobs. of them. Yeah, what did you... Yeah, bear of them. And the thing is, like, um, they had, like, security or people wearing uniforms. It's hard to tell if they were police or not. I, I later found out that those were, in fact, police. But um, but they, they, were, they were moving, like, um, the Emerald Guards on Takeshi Castle. They're that numerous <laughs> one. What a reference. But, um, like... Great show. They were there, and it's... It, yeah. They really were there, random, and to really your random. point... They do that. That's why there's... We'll get into the stadium, like, a bit, but, like, there's not too many, like, Qatari nationals. Everybody's kind of feels like an immigrant or coming from a different background, which is cool. So that's kind of, like, it's hard to find, like, local traditions, local food, or you really had to go to specific spots. It wasn't just around you. And then that transpired once you got into the stadium because um, the stadiums, they, some of them were full, some of them weren't. Um, it depended on the game and the location. But what was endemic of all of them was that there'd be a five minute where it's absolutely raucous, like loud. And then it just dropped to a base of zero. Like you could take a Zoom call in those periods of silence. Like, like, like I could hear my inner thoughts in those minutes of silence. It was like, I was like, how did we go from here? Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To hit, like, 
most football grounds that I've been to in kind of like most most predominantly in Europe, like there's a base level of noise. It's never just like, and yeah. So this felt like a World Cup for like the middle classes as well because it's kind of like it's expensive to get there. Expensive and newbies as well. No? Yeah, expensive. It's expensive to get there. It's expensive um, for hotels and accommodation. And when you don't have such a like local population is lacking, then you, it, it was like a crowd that was watching Wimbledon. Is how I describe it. Can I? Because this is this is the fourth World Cup you've been to, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in the other ones that you've experienced. Yeah. Did you feel as though they were more accessible? Uh, yeah, Germany, yes. Um, South Africa, yeah. They they integrated a lot of the locals because like you, into yeah. that. So like there was that base. You really felt the nation get behind this. Whereas like um, and then what was the Russia? Russia, Russia obviously there was there's a lot of like Russians that are going to the stadium and like kind of like that. It, Russia was difficult because you had to just pick a spot. Like, me and Samson got stranded in St. Petersburg for, like, three days, and we missed, like, three games that we're supposed to go to just because, like, they put the last flight during halftime of the Nigeria-Argentina <laughs> game. Obviously, obviously, and we weren't getting battered at that point, so there was no need to leave. Yeah, we still we still thought we could qualify. So by the time, like, oh, my God, the amount of Nigerians that were just sleeping on the floor of this, of this train station, me and Samson were walking around St. Petersburg to like 4 a.m. before we found a place to stay. We were just going to bar after bar just to entertain ourselves and then got stranded there for like three days trying to get back. So like oh my days. Russia, in terms of transport, was logistically not great, but like you had a big local population, so you felt that Qatar logistically like is very easy, accessible to get mm -hmm. around, but in terms of there just wasn't enough of a local population to really... It's just interesting because you said that this felt like a World Cup for the middle class. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just wondering, like, is that the trajectory that we see major I, I, tournaments, World Cups going towards? There's a danger of that. Um, but the previous World Cups weren't that one-sided. But this one was because I think, obviously, it's in Qatar, which is a place of, like... Opulence. Yeah, of... of yes. Is a place of riches, boundless riches. Um, and then, obviously, kind of, like, it's hard to get to the timing of it. It just made it... It felt more of a... Yeah, yeah. we forget that's in November, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very... Yeah, it's very, yeah, yeah. This, wasn't, this, wasn't, this wasn't a summer holiday. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, like so it, it, made, it felt more of, like, a, a, a middle class. It, it felt like a crowd going to Wimbledon. Like you said, yeah. At times, like, it felt like more like, let's sit down, let, let's enjoy this. Let's, spectacle. Let's, yeah, oh. let, yeah, yes, an absolute spectacle. Yeah. People buying, like, buying a lot of, like, the FIFA merch and stuff like that. Oh. Just, like, yeah. like it, it, felt, it felt like that. A lot of people, like, yes, to your point, going for the first time or experiencing it for the first time. So it was a very weird atmosphere compared to most World Cups. So, yeah. I, I think you made um, a, a good point earlier. We were speaking about, like, the... You, you could hear your inner thoughts and, like, um, the crowd levels. And I think what happens is, like, a lot of these internationals or these tourists or who or whoever, the visitors or supporters of the game, don't, don't maybe don't have a strong, like, football culture. So oh, maybe it was their first tournament, maybe it was their first time. Mm -hmm. So, like, they don't... Because as you see with these l large groups, like, it usually takes one or two individuals to, like, um, rouse up a chant, maybe in song or with drums, right? Mm -hmm. But if you don't have experience of it and you're just there to watch the game, as a bunch of people mm -hmm. like that around you, then that's why the games can be kind of fluctuating in terms and of attendance and also vibe, like you say. And this was perfectly encapsulated with um, the Senegal game where they were trying to tell the Senegalese fans to sit down. Mm -hmm. I was just like... 
because they, they put the Senegal fans and then behind them were the Qatari locals. And, like, the Qatari locals, they're not used to, they're not used to, like, people standing up for, like, the whole 90 minutes or playing drums or dancing. So, like, they're like, yo, what's going on? We've come to watch this spectacle. Like, there are people standing in front of us. They should be seated. And, like, Senegalese people are like, nah, big people, this is how we watch football, yeah. innit? Like, and it was an interesting one because then the stewards were trying to get them to sit down. And I was like, hold on. You had the FIFA cameras taking, like, content of these people so you want your content for the recap but you want them to sit down like pick 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 a lane like like when when you go and do the rec world cup uh, wrap up are you gonna be wrapping up people sitting down like no mm -hmm. so you want this but you're gonna tell them so i'm like and then at the same time i was like i understand like okay cool maybe qataris don't view football in that way but you've asked for a football tournament you've asked for the global football tournament in your in your space so there needs to be an understanding on both sides that, you know, it's a World Cup. That's 32 nations, 32 different ways of watching football. You wanted that in here. Like, nobody forced you to have the World Cup. So, you, yeah. So, like, they need to respect your laws, obviously. But, like, when it comes to football, you need to be um, also understanding of how other people watch the game. So, that was a really interesting dynamic to see, especially in that game, yeah. just like the difference of cultures. And what I love in the stadium is that it brings different cultures together and how they consume it. And um, I have no way of going on record saying it. I was at the Ghana-Uruguay game and Uruguay tears were amazing to see. And it was amazing to see, like, it was amazing to see that. It's borderline sadistic. <laughs> which, which translate in initials as BS, fam. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Team, team, we don't believe you. We don't believe you. <laughs> But your guys uh, fans are also extremely passionate and like like South American fans are so if, if I had to give my top order, ooh, I put South American fans number one, I'd put African fans number two, and then I would put Asian fans number three. I think okay, this is interesting. Oh uh, Asian or European no, for the third spot. Like Okay, probably European first, but yeah, yeah. So, okay, because we're, we're now we're kind of touching on the cultural side of what yeah. you experienced, right? And we were speaking off air about World Cup is basically an expression of all these different cultures coming together. Mm. Football's kind of like just the backdrop, isn't it? Yeah. So talk, talk to us a little bit about what you experienced from a culture perspective. You mentioned that South American fans are the yeah, top tier. Oh, South... It, like, in England or in, like, we think we love football. <laughs> We're, we're merely getting to first base. South Americans have put a ring on the game, fam. They are, they are married to the game. They are wedded <laughs> to the game. Oh, my goodness me. Like, Argentina... You're, you're actually incredible, you know that. You're incredible. <laughs> Argentina, Saudi Arabia, like, the Qataris obviously sport in Saudi Arabia, an Arabic nation, yeah. So, like, Saudi Arabia score a goal. Like, this point, like, Argentinians are mixed with Qatari. Like, it's just a mix. Argentines clearly outnumber anybody. Is it 1-0 or 2-1? It, or it doesn't matter. They scored a goal. I can't yeah. remember. And so the Qatari are celebrating. This Argentina fan turns around, raises the middle finger right in the face of this Qatari. And I'm like, yo, it hasn't even been that type of game. This is not a local, this is not a local derby in Buenos Aires. It's just like, this is not that deep. This is not Boca Juniors versus River Plate, <laughs> yeah, is it, fam? Yeah, it, I was like, yo... But, like, they are 
they're of the opinion that anybody that is not like it's really do or die. If yeah. you are not for us, you are against highly us. Highly passionate and, and it's highly, highly emotional. Like it's it? volatile. Yeah, like, like I'm yeah. like yo. I really want to experience that. Yeah, it is. It is. It is amazing to see. But also, if you're not on that right side, intimidate. Because I remember the World Cup in 2018, um, in Russia. I was watching Nigeria and Argentina. The whole stadium was Argentina and. I happened to be wearing my Nigeria shirt, surrounded by Argentinians. I was like, I just said this could go left at any uh, moment. Like, 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 I was engulfed in Argentina. But from, from you, from you guys, like experience and just understanding know-how of the game and culture. Why do you think South America is so? I, I think. Like, it's, what is it? What is I it think it's. Nations? I think it's also the they had a lot of early. World Cup success, international success. So, like... Uruguay won the first one. Yeah, Uruguay won the first one. And then, obviously, you have Pelé, you have your Maradona. So, I feel like those things... Imagine if England had won the World Cup from early and had a pedigree of winning the World Cup and all the legends that get told of that... It's like almost like... Manchester United have this cult status because of their history and it's kind of, like, exploded to this status. So, I feel like that's been one. I think... From that, they've just fostered the game, and it's been seen like as like the number one export. When you have that success early on, and they've had continued success, I feel like it just builds and builds and grows and grows and grows and grows into what you see today, and it becomes an obsession and a religion because you're so good at something yeah. as a nation, yeah, and you yeah, really yeah. defined something on the world. And remember, the World Cups back then, it was the first time your nation would be seen on a global stage. Yeah, like it, it was it was amazing. it was amazing in terms of the visibility you used to get there. So you literally could put your nation on a map I, from I, a World I, Cup. I had it personally, bro. Working when I was younger. Your nation. Yeah, I was younger. A lot of people knew like Nigeria, South Africa. I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm from Ghana. Where is it? Next to here, all that stuff. Now I'm like Ghana. And now I have a few music or culture. Or a lot of times just, oh yeah, the, your team, but or Suarez or, the, or this, that, and the third. Oh, Asamojan or Boateng. Like, you really realise that it gives you a lot of visibility. And it's yeah. like... And also, what, what I realised when I was young, in 1996, it also allows you to look at kind of like racial... Um, racial, like... What's the word? Racial... The racial demographics of a country. If you look at Netherlands... And subplots. Yeah, you understand. If you look at, so if you if you're from Texas or some really uh, random place in America, and you see England versus USA, then you see like Bukayo Saka, huh? You see Jude Bellingham, you see Marcus Rashford with one of his eyebrows. All those. It's like, right, okay, there's some kind of presence here. You understand? Like, I've, I've got one now with Trump. Trump to the exact same point. Like someone was saying to me, um, obviously oh, we wish Pele a speedy recovery, but they were saying that there's actually not been that many black Brazilians and Vinicius Jr. is probably like the first one in a long time since probably like Emerson that I can remember in terms of like black Brazilians so like in all these subplots like in the Morocco um, team also there's not many like black like the issue of like skin colour is a very interesting one um, when it comes to like a World Cup and certain certain nations you know like even like South Africa for a while like they used to just have like white South Africans in there so it's, it's a to your point, it's a very interesting to observe yeah. all of these things, and even from the crowd that go into the stadium, because they're black Moroccans, but you hardly see them. Mm. You hardly see them, and it's like... So it's a very interesting... That's a whole new topic in itself. I, th I think you guys kind of hit the nail on the head, because the, the word you used, export, yeah. I think there's a lot of countries that 
from a global standpoint, their country's on the map because of football. Like, yeah. people associate their country with football. So, like... Brazil's a very, very, very famous country. Like, but people know a lot because football as well, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's it. And, like, I think representation is another one because, like, people can identify... Uh, to your point, Kwame, about, like, Ghana, Asamoah and whatever, like, people can identify to your country because of football. So I just feel like... It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. like, it's, it's, it's mad. So I understand now, like, having just listened to you guys speak, why South Americans are so, like, passionate about the game. And then, and I think um, with Africans, I think that's interesting because we have not had, <laughs> have not had that much success when it comes to World Cup. But to but be I fair, think... like you've you've experienced multiple World Cups. We yeah. went to African yeah. Cup of Nations yeah. this year in Cameroon, yeah. so you have a quite a good sense of like African football yeah. fandom. Yeah. So, but like it, it's it's um, I think just the sheer numbers of Afri Africans on the continent, and I feel like um, uh, Africans are always looking to things outside of their continent because there's a lot of disillusion about what happens in Africa. And then again, it being the world stage, it's a stage that people um, crave. And I think we've had a lot of success, well, not a lot, we've had some successes outside the World Cup, like the Nigeria Dream Team at the at the Olympics that won, won gold, and then Ghana more recently. I was watching the documentary on Roger Miller in the plane. From Cameroon. Yeah, and it's amazing how he... Yeah, he had, uh, yeah, yeah, I wrote the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the irony of it. <laughs> so who at 38 was saying that, you know, he'd already retired from Cameroon football, but the president called him to come at 38. And that was the World Cup where they got to the quarterfinals. Really? And, he, and he was he a was large part of that. And he was explaining, like, how growing up, they used to listen to the World Cup on uh, radio wow. because you couldn't watch it. But that's how famous this competition is, yeah, that, that people were listening to it on radio and hearing goals being described like, oh, oh, Eusebio's cutting from the left. He goes past one, he goes past one, and then scores. So imagine you growing up just only hearing what World Cup's like. For you to actually go and see it, like, must just take your senses to a whole new level. So it's interesting to see how that World Cup put Cameroon on the world stage and map. So, like... To your point, like, I think the African teams have had, like, really strong moments at World Cup. I think Senegal beating France. And these moments really... And then because we are all over the diaspora as well, um, I feel like we, we permeate different cultures. So I feel like... I don't know, we just love... We love, we love football. And then we... The way we express ourselves through joy... An expression of joy is another topic uh, that came up recently. But I think that's something that separates um, Africans in a different level of fandom as well. They really, really hold on to hold on to football and hold on to sport. It's really as an escape to the harsh realities of, of Africa. Whereas like I think in Europe it's a I think sorry, it's a I nice think it's the have. same in South America though. I think yes, in yeah, South yeah. America like yeah. when you look at when you hear the stories of like an Anthony yeah, who's Brazilian yeah, but yeah. plays for like football is a lot of people's only way out is there any escape or, or, so to or, speak or, or Victor Osman's erroneous story that he told us yeah <laughs> yeah so I think there's but, some but, comparisons there's a way to there. trial, 2 million people fam. it's that? wild isn't it <laughs> for, for, for those of you wondering what Stephen's talking about we had uh, Victor Osman Nigerian striker currently at Napoli yeah. rumoured to be going to the Premier League at some point United um, he came on and he told that story right of like yeah, 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 being on trial, trial when he was young, yeah, 15, in Nigeria, five minutes to show what he could do, and he and then he was saying that there's around two million people that were at this you trial. Know how mad that is, fam. Like, insane. Um, I want I want to to, to ask you about the Asian fans because yeah. there are a yeah. lot of stories, particularly around like Japan and. Mm -hmm. 
the etiquette from their team, but also their fans. And I just wanted to see what your what you experienced, yeah. bro. Because like for me, when I when I saw that, I was like, this is just so heartwarming. Yeah, no, no. Uh, uh, Japanese fans uh, in particular are special. Like Asian fans, I think also share in this one. But I'm just speaking from the point of view. I watched like I think two or three games of Japan, and I can't remember if I saw any other. I mean, you saw South Korea as well. Yeah, yeah. So South Korea versus Ghana. So South Korea as well. Um, But, like, uh, Japanese fans in particular are very consistent. Like, they keep the same energy throughout the whole 90... It doesn't matter if they're winning, losing, if they've had someone sent off. It's just this continuous, like, loyalty or respect to the team that they just continue going no matter what. And I feel like what is interesting is how the team embodies the fans which is really... So, like, Japan as a team keep going. They've made the comebacks. They're not phased by any situation. They're very orderly. They have a system. They have... It's all very precise. It's all very neat, clean, and tidy. And that is reflected in the fans' behaviour as well and also in there. When it comes to um, kind of, like, African uh, fans as well, I used to be so annoyed at Nigeria because we have the supporters club and then they play this monotonous music. It's like, and we play at that pace. Like, I was begging these guys to just run. Just run. We are losing. Can you run a bit faster? It'd be like... It's just that pace, the whole... That whole time, yeah, yeah, swing your hips, swing your hips, rhythmic hips on the pitch. And I'm like, we are losing. Can you go forward? No, just taking their time with it. And then it's like, and obviously, like, as Africans, we're a bit chaotic, bit, like, dramatic. That's reflected in everything from state, from those in the VIP to those in Calgary to, chaos. Speaking of chaotic and Africans, did you see that? Samuel Etu got it too. <laughs> the, 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 the president of Cameroon, Cameroon Football Federation need a guy on the tarmac on the way to get a private jet because apparently Cameroon played Algeria in March, I think, and then ever since then Algerians have been like baiting him with, um, with some comments and he had enough and then the guy was falling down. So the president of the Cameroon Football Federation... I think one day a presidential candidate for the country and a f- ex- a- an ex-footballing legend need this guy in the head. It's a lot of anger I'll for, that, for your first <laughs> piece of attacking instinct to knee someone. But yeah, so that was a little, I just wanted to touch on a little bit of chaos. So there's, there's, there's chaos on and off the pitch. With uh, oh, but but to bring back to some positivity, <laughs> this was this was the first World Cup where. Um, African teams had yeah, been coached, all African teams mm. in the tournament had been mm. coached by a fellow countryman, yeah. mm-hmm. which I thought was quite sick. Yeah. It's, a, it's a romantic gesture, but some of it was like, like the, for me, a great shame was Senegal, Senegal being like papped by England 3-0, because that's what it was. And uh, for me, it showed the limitations of the coaching, and it was embarrassment for me. It was a, uh, you don't think you don't think Aliou Cisse is a good manager, and you don't think that he could have done a better job with his best player that was out with injury. Yeah, I, I think he has Sadio Mane, who's a uh, he's played for Liverpool, made his name at Liverpool, and is now at Bayern Munich. Did not play because he got a fairly serious industry industry injury, and he missed a Senegal. He's like um, the, the yeah captain. But I think Aliou Cisse is limited limited in his coaching because if you look at a lot of these um, coaches 
if you look at a lot of the coaches on the continent, like they are former players and then they go from being former players straight into coaching. Whereas like there's a normally a long process of coaching. You have a B, A, B licenses that a lot of them do not have or have got or hurried or sometimes in Africa, they, they pay for those things. They pay for the license without doing the coaching. So I'm like, what I saw was something very limited for the England game. Like I saw, like within... Within eight minutes, I turned to Samson and said, like, I know exactly how this ends. Like, when, after eight minutes, you're just hoofing it long forward because you cannot get out or you're not reading patterns of play. I'm like, you know, it, there's a limitation and then there's a ceiling right now with the coaching. It, is this, do you think this is across African football in general? In, in general. It's a huge generalisation, but you, you have to, like, look at the... At, at what we have to show for it. We're still waiting for that First Nation to get into a semi-final and things like that. And if you look at it, like, a lot of our references are from, like, Nigeria's references. Uh, people still refer to Okocha and Kanu from, like, 94. I understand, yeah. So I do like, have to say, though, like, I might be jumping the gun a little bit, but Morocco's manager seems to be a very, very, very good manager. I know he won the champion, Champions League in his first yeah, season. Yeah. Only recently got this job straight to the quarterfinals so far. Like, I think he's done really, really well. Yeah, he's been tactically, he's been uh, flexible and but very pragmatic. So the the, the thing that is was going like to come Diego Simeone esque a little bit, but then it's going to have its. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't have its limitation. I'm I'm curious to see like how do they mix it up? Can they mix it up? I think it's great what they're doing, but like yeah, he's been an exception. He's adapted to all of the games, had a plan for all of the games, and been able to execute the plans for all of the games. But the Senegal were the African champions, and they got absolutely like slapped. 3-0. So, like, it, um, it, it was embarrassing for me because you, what does it mean to be an African champion if this is what you, you're going to put out? And all the teams that didn't make it, Nigeria included, wouldn't do much better anyway. But I'm thinking, like, it's not a great advert for African football. And I feel like there's a big, big, big thing needed about coaching at grassroots level um, in Africa for us to go. Because you cannot tell me, like... Um, countries that have very small populations are doing big things in the World Cup. So you cannot tell me in this big continent full of all of this talent that nobody is capable of. It's just a, a mismanagement of resources which is a characteristic of African culture right now. When it comes to politics, when it comes to everything, everything is being mismanaged poorly from oil reserves, funds, resources, mismanagement. And that's what's holding the continent back because you cannot tell me in that whole continent you cannot find 11 or squad of 25, that if you trained really, really well, wouldn't be able to do amazing things. You know it's true, because a lot of the players shining are players from Africa that are now, you know, ended up in a diaspora and represent, like, Mbolo, Saka, all of these things. So, it's there. I'm so, sorry, I'm sorry. So, I sent something to you guys, I think, last week, and it was yes. a clip from another podcast. I can't remember the name. Let me try and find it before mm -hmm. the episode finishes so I can... Um, Free promo. Them. But um, the guy was basically saying that the reason that you don't have top, top players from countries they were born in or countries that they're associated to in Africa playing for those nations is because the countries and the teams themselves are so corrupt and all over the place. So I think he tells a story of, like, Kylian Mbappe, yeah, his Cameroon. dad taking him yeah. to Cameroon like, yeah, to, wanted, to say they want right? yeah. to say that yeah, he yeah. wanted to represent Cameroon and they asked for money. Mm -hmm. And it's like, bro, like, if you look at... If, if Kylian Mbappe was playing for Cameroon now, the money that that federation would have made and then some would have been crazy. So, like, 
like is that true? Do you think th- yeah. this is a, a, yeah, a no, reflection of African football? It, it, it is. It is. It's, I can just speak for Nigeria because that one, that one, that, that one is very obvious. That one is not. That one is very the, obvious. There was a time the national stadium. Yeah, they they had to beg them to cut the grass. The grass was taller than Shaq, like in the national stadium, like. It was. They got to that point. They were like, they were like pleading for someone to cut the grass. Like when you've got mismanagement at that level, like how can anything flourish? One of the one of the presidents, former presidents, fam, man sacked the manager of the national team two weeks before the African Nations. Who does that? And how do you want anyone to have success two weeks before, fam? Two weeks before. All my favorite stories are how the plane had to be grounded because they hadn't paid the fees for the flight. The pilot was like, nah, B, we're landing this plane right now. Did a whip round for the players, fam. John Obi McHale to dip into his pocket for that flight to be, they're going to a competition, fam. So this is just Nigeria. So like, I think it's endemic of um, a lot of Africa, not all. But a lot, like especially in North Africa, they they have their stuff together. So like your Morocco's, your Algeria's, your Egypt's, like they have their they have their stuff together, and it's no coincidence that those teams have a real big heritage when it comes to football on the continent and producing um, producing quality teams. It's mismanagement. Um, just to quote the podcast, it was the Raise Your Game podcast. Just wanted to make sure that we shouted them out. Um, okay, cool. You've um, spoken very uh, truthfully about the state of African football and where you feel like it's at. Uh, what was So, like, if you was to summarise your whole Qatar World Cup experience for people that are listening that didn't get the privilege to go to 20-plus games like you did because you're that guy, um, how would you sum it up and what would you say the legacy of this World Cup is going to be? Mm, amazing stadiums, amazing uh, infrastructure, uh, great games, really friendly atmosphere inside the stadium um ridiculous nights out in terms of like i feel like you haven't touched on those nights out you know some of them are coming flash flash flashbacks what's the opposite of ptsd fam PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, ptsp <laughs> that's wrong by the way it's not even how it is backwards <laughs> yeah. but um yeah, no, there's nice because you just had everybody like popping in for no 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 reason. Yeah, like was the like, little baby there? Like it was on his birthday, fam. Oh, I was there on his birthday. You from, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no. uh, yeah. Um, I think DJ Khaled's gonna be there at some point. Um, you had a lot of like Afrobeat artists that went there at some point. Like everybody was just like popping in, and because like Dubai is close by, so a lot of people were just uh, there's hourly flights from Dubai. Really? So like people were just popping in and popping out. Like the amount of people. Uh, Oh, I'd even tell you the people I ran into. Okay, so this is this is this is a funny story. Okay, cool. I'm a Manchester United fan, as everybody knows. Ooh. Big Manchester United fan. How do you be so, Arsenal fan? We're going <laughs> Park Rangers, you want to sit down there. And I'm then um <laughs> and then so there were two legends in the in the VIP. One Dwight York and one Peter Schmeichel. These are legends for me because they won the treble for Manchester United in ninety nine, which is something that no English club has done since. Um, or before. Yeah. One of one, truly. So I, I, I was gassed to see them. So I went up to Peter Schmeichel, this Danish drama queen, and asked for a uh, asked for a picture. Yeah, my guy, we're in the VIP. Yeah, my guy's like, oh, go on in, hurry up, cause I'm hungry and I want to eat. I was just like, big man, you're lucky I even came. What? To 
Yeah. I was like, you city reject. You're lucky I even came to you. <laughs> what? Man. This VIP, you're, you're hungry. You're lucky I even know your name. I know Casper, but who knows you, fam? When Did you sort of take the picture after that? Fam, I deleted it from my phone, fam. I would have been like, it's all right then. Just go go have your food or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I was just like, rah. It's not that deep, man. Yeah, it's Peter Schmeichel is a Danish goalkeeper who had overly sized big hands and made star jump squats in order to make saves. And played in a highly effective team, which won him a lot of trouble. <laughs> which won him. I like it, I like it, I like it. On the other hand, my brother from another mother, the Trini King himself. The Trini King himself, Dwight York. I approached Dwight York, and Dwight York said, said, said to me, he's just like, I've always got time for my brothers. Oh! And, uh, Trini boy. Yes, Dwight. We had a 10-minute conversation. Uh, we talked about, like, um, even, like, um, his battle with, like, sickle cell, other things like that. So, like, I had a proper conversation. Oh, I love that. And I was just like, I was just like, I was like do I keep bringing the drip? Drip so hard. You know, Kieran and I ran into Dwight York in Carnival. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was covered in paint. Legend. This was in Trinidad. We bumped into Dwight York in Trinidad in Carnival, and he was just vibes. So it's, you know when people yeah, have consistent yeah. stories of yeah, 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 yeah. people of, of yeah. famous, it's nice to see that they keep yeah. it consistent. Yeah, no, like, I kept it because I was just like, it's just what, what, a con- what a contrast of experience. Uh, I met uh, Mr. Easy as well, uh, Mr. Zet, who is doing, yes, doing amazing investments in entre- entrepreneurship as well. Does not look like he's... Does not look the way he sounds when he seeks music. It's just they just blew my mind. It was the same person, um, but it but it was um, Samson. Samson got to meet David Beckham and Kaka, which I'm hugely hugely jealous about um, as well. So and then I met Arsene. I've met Arsene Wenger a few times, but oh, of course you have. The uh, the prof. The prophet, he was saying some mad stuff. He was saying some mad stuff. He fell all the way off. <laughs> hey, talk to us about your boy. You know, he's been, as of late, he's been acting like a real fee for you, bro. <laughs> some of the things he's been saying, he was saying that all the countries that focus on making political statements are home. No, all the countries that are home are just home in it, bro. Like, all the countries that aren't out are the ones that don't have a moral compass. They just happen to finish ahead of their group and win their games, I guess. It was insinuating because Germany made a uh, a picture where they covered their mouths in order to protest against kind of the human rights violations and then they got eliminated. So Arsene Wenger was suggesting the fact that they were concentrating too much on these political statements is the reason why they were going home early. No. Which is a mad thing, a mad thing. But like, it was good to running into like just different types of people and just seeing how much football connects different of all kinds of status as well. Um, but yeah, it was a, a, a really peaceful World Cup, yes. really good vibes, um, state-of-the-art facilities. The legacy of this, I think a little bit more people will be open to that area of the world. I think they've been exposed to some of the culture there. I think they've come back with positive stories which will make people want to visit it. In terms of the footballing legacy, I'm not sure that that will be much footballing legacy. I think a lot I think it might inspire a lot of Qatari kids to kind of venture for football. So I'm curious to see like if a Qatari kid says to his parents, you know, I want to play football, how's that going to be perceived after this World Cup? Mm-hmm. Don't know. They've got state-of-the-art facilities. I do not know who is going to occupy those facilities. Yeah. I don't know. if this For World Cup, the stadiums are not even being sold out. So I don't know the local Qatari league, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to be able to sell out the stadiums. So I'm curious to see what happens towards the infrastructure. But 
great World Cup so far, great games. And it's a very, very open World Cup, actually. Mm. If you look mm. at the quarterfinalists, like, you could make a case for any one of them winning it. There's no overwhelming, overwhelming favourite. Maybe slightly, I'd say, uh, Brazil. Um, but, yeah, how do, how do you guys see the quarterfinals? Uh, no, altogether, I just want to say thank you for such uh, a thorough breakdown on the economical, on the cultural on the life of a VIP football influencer. <laughs> um, we really appreciate you taking uh, the time to give us your humble story. No, no, I but just, seriously, yeah. just, no, no, I, I really enjoy, like, me, like, as a friend, like, you, you know, you, 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 you can tell me a lot on WhatsApp and I see a lot on Instagram, but speaking with you for this amount of time, it's really nice to know the intricacies of how things work, so we appreciate that. And the only thing I'd like to add is, um, as my political campaign is based off sport, and infrastructure, I'll be taking these learnings into my manifesto and you can expect us to bring that spirit of football, spirit of joy at the centre of this campaign. That sounds amazing, and uh, but not as amazing as your trip did. Um, <laughs> I feel like seeing all the visuals and the stories you would like, to Kwame's point, that you used to tell us over WhatsApp, it's like, oh, okay, like, cool, but hearing you break it down as well is like, Almost felt like I was there a little bit too, which was which was sick. So um, I needed the questions as well because if it was left to my own devices, yeah, there will be no structure to this podcast. <laughs> I would I would I wouldn't remember anything. I would I just tell you I went and watched football, came back in it. Oh, but <laughs> um, thank you for that, Stephen. I think we should take a, a picture of you holding this these tickets as if it was cash and then use that as a lead. I, I feel like Shmoney. that just needs to be done Shmoney. in the like in the block. Um, but before we lock off. There was one thing that we didn't talk about that maybe we talk about next episode, oh, yeah. and that was the fact that we reached our three-year oh, yes. anniversary this year. Freezy peasy. Three-year anniversary. Um, so I think that deserves a little bit of a, a little bit of a clap. Um, so hopefully onwards and upwards. And uh, yeah, next episode should we talk about? Should we talk about the the the, the three-year memories? The 150th cap. Let's do it. All right, cool. Well, to wrap this one up, this has been Qatar World Cup Stories by Showtime Steve, uh, interviewed by myself, Yaf Downs, and Kwame the Wautung Ranger himself. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we love you. Yep. Good night. Cheers. You London boys are crazy. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.